Kincaid gave him a bump. Feet out in front. The big save by Leonard. Closing to his right. Puck goes around behind the goal. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Colasar again down low. Right side he shoots. Knocked down. Theodore fires and he scores. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Vegas Golden Knights 2-0 in the homestand, uh, have won seven of the last nine and two games above 500 for the first time all season, and they are grooving. Taking down the first place Minnesota Wild from the Central Division last night and now getting a day off before facing Pacific Division rival Vancouver Canucks. First time that the Vancouver Canucks and the Golden Knights will meet since uh, the Demko situation in the bubble. Yes, I know. It's uh, one of uh, Chris Chapman's favorite moments of his life when uh, when Thatcher Demko put on that show. Everybody talks about the Demko part of that series uh, coming in in uh, re- replacing an injured Jacob Markstrom. We, we never mention enough that the Golden Knights won Game 7 and advanced. We don't talk about that part of it enough. And I know it's kind of obvious, but still, uh, for some reason, Thatcher Demko gets way too much uh, publicity uh, for what he did in that series. Uh, and one of the great saves in VGK playoff history was Robin Leonard in that uh, in that great Game 7. Uh, so the Vancouver Canucks uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow night. You can listen to it on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the VGK Radio Network. Uh, pre-game show with Ryan Wallace at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports Las Vegas, and then the uh, the game just after 7 o'clock uh, on, uh, with Dan Duva and Gary Lawless, also Hockey Night in Canada game. So a lot happening in and around uh, that game with uh, a little bit more attention. Vancouver was throttled last night by Colorado. See how they regroup, and Vegas playing its best hockey of the season uh, right now on a real roll and going. Now time for our evaluations of last night. You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? The people, the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper. Chapman and I are on a roll right now. We are in sync. Can you feel it, Wallace? Yep. That's a dynamite drop-in by Ryan Wallace. Not the the best co-host in the world for nothing right there. Uh, we have uh, our ratings, 1 to 5, all rated uh, via Peppers. Uh, you know the, uh, the drill. And uh, Chapman, lead us off. I'm going to go with a Carolina Reaper. I thought it was maybe outside of the Colorado game, the best game that they've played all season. And I felt like they played a really good game against Detroit, despite the fact that they were on the wrong side of the scorecard on that one. But I I mean, look, you you can't, you can't really spell it any better. You get two goals from two guys who have played in a grand total of nine NHL games to get you on the board early we, we already talked about the penalty kill, the five-on-three. They killed the six-on-four. I, I thought Loren Brassois was really good. He was he seemed like he was dialed in, like I said, especially on those kills. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau gets the big goal right before the end of the second period. I, it was a great game. I, I, I and, and look, in Minnesota is not like a bad team. They're, hey, they're, you don't have to a, sell me. That's a five are, out of five. They are a really, really good team. I mean, and that's, that's a team. I, I They had won four straight. Hey. Scoring four or more goals in all four of those games. Look, it was it was a very very good game by the Golden Knights. It's, Chapman it's hits the Reaper. max right there. He goes five out of five with a Carolina Reaper. Wallace, where are you going? 
Yeah, it, it's a Carolina Reaper. You look at the game in, in its entirety. The Golden Knights, I think, played a phenomenal first period. You're buoyed by the two goals from from Cotter and Ron Bjerg. And then, you know, the second period for me for Vegas was uh, special teams clinic. And I, I can't say enough about that Riley Smith play to strip Matt Dumba of the puck and not give up on a play because there was still time left in that second period. A great shot from Jonathan Marsh. So, and then, you know, in the, in the third period, you had to expect that the wild were going to push. They did, but the overall numbers for that game uh, in terms of high danger chances allowed by Vegas were really, really good. All situations, just six for the Minnesota wild. This is a team that can find ways to beat you in the middle of the ice. The golden Knights didn't give it to them all night long, and and that to me is a sign of the Golden Knights hitting their stride defensively, and that's the most important factor of the, of this for me. It's a clean sweep, uh, three five out of fives. That's a total of fifteen with uh, three Carolina Reapers. As I'll go down the same uh, route, uh, the first period was telling. The two goals by the two kids. Uh, you also got a great break when Kirill Kaprizov had an open net and he healed it. And sometimes it's just like you get that break and it's going to be your night. Uh, they also had to deal with adversity. William Carrier was not in the lineup and they lost uh, Alec Martinez to a significant cut by a skate blade in the, in the first period. Pete DeBoer said after they were a bit rattled by that. And I can't imagine not being rattled by that. So there's uh, adversity on that before you even got to the penalty kill. If I'm Vancouver right now and I'm Travis Green, I'm listening to the BGK Insider Show because I'm hanging out and uh, getting ready for the game tomorrow night. Travis is, has listened to us and he says, okay, we've got to be better on the power play than the Minnesota Wild were. And we have to lock it down defensively in the last minute of the second period. That's back-to-back games, boys. <laughs> that the, yeah, uh, it, it late is. Late in the second period where the, where the Golden Knights uh, basically uh, they turned the tide, took control of the game against Seattle, and then won the game. Uh, with the Jonathan Marsh so goal last night. Yeah, and for me, like you're you're absolutely right. Like the Golden Knights have found some magic there in in playing. Uh, you know, I, I think to to the end of the period, like you, you don't concede time in a game at any point. Like so, for me, like the Golden Knights have have found ways over the last couple of games to make an impact in the waning seconds of a period. And both times, it's it's really helped them in getting those wins. Without that Evgeny Dodonov goal, I don't know if if they beat uh, the Seattle Kraken. If not for the, the Jonathan Marcheseau goal that looked like insurance at the time, uh, things become really, really dicey there in the third period. So for the Golden Knights, uh, finding those, those plays in, in the waning seconds of periods has been kind of their bread and butter over the last couple of games. I asked Gary Lawless last night if this is the best he's seen John and the Marshes will play. Maybe not the most productive. I haven't gone through his different stretches. But the best, when you take into consideration where they are with injuries in the lineup. And and Gary Gary went down the path and, and very positive about John and the Marshes. But then he stopped short because he said uh, there was a time when he did say that uh, in, in, a, in a year, either last year or the year before. And and Jonathan found him and said, Gary, I was pretty good in year number one. <laughs> 
so, I, uh, so, so, there, so Gary was Gary uh, sort of hedged his uh, his comment last night by saying, mm-hmm. uh, "If Jonathan sees us, I'm going to be reminded." Gary, I was pretty good in year number one. It was a pretty good answer. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because that that was during a a, a walk off interview with with Jonathan Marshall on the radio. I remember it very well. Uh, in which the question was was asked to or posed to Jonathan, and he and he said, "Yeah, you know, I I, I think I'm I'm playing really good hockey right now, but you know, you, you go back to year one for the Golden Knights and and how important that line was, Marcus O'Carlson and Smith, and and just kind of lighting the world on fire there. It, it's hard to to really argue with that being the best Jonathan Marcus has ever played in the NHL. You know, that was a year though without expectation." And they mm-hmm. found magic. This has massive expectation and huge injuries. And without the play of Jonathan Marsh, so Nick Watt, who was on with us in our number one, if you missed it, uh, download the podcast and listen to it. He was fantastic talking about uh, everything from uh, Dylan Coughlin never playing, killing a five on three before to uh, talking about the Hall of Fame inductions uh, this weekend. Uh, uh and and then you've got uh, uh, Riley Smith. So so without those three players right now, uh, this team's in in some pain because of the the lack of production. They've stepped up. They put this team on on their shoulders, and it's it's impressive in the production, but it's also more uh, uh, impressive by virtue of they've led. Yeah, I I think that. Yeah, like I don't have a, a a problem saying it. Like I think this is probably the most impactful Jonathan Marcheseau has been on this Golden Knights team because production wise, there have probably been stretches where he's been even better than he's been, and he's been phenomenal over the last couple of uh, last two or three weeks. Uh, but for me, the impact that he has every single time he's on the ice, he's looking to make a difference. He's looking to to make a play. And with the the expectations placed upon him and Riley Smith and, and having to do all this with a new center in Nick Waugh that they haven't you know spent a, a ton of time playing with, I, I think that that speaks volumes to the leadership we're seeing on the ice from Jonathan Marsh. So for, for me, for my money, this stretch, it's the best he's been for the Golden Knights. Does it also speak to the 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 hockey sense of Nick Waugh being oh, able to fit in like this? Yeah, one hundred percent, and and that can't go unnoticed either. Like I, I, you look at Waugh, you look at kind of the the plays that he's starting to make as he's getting more and more and more comfortable. Uh, but it, it seemed like a fit. It seemed like there was synergy from the first game they were put together, and it's just built on itself over the last week or so. Uh, the Henderson Silver Knights are in action tonight as they are on the road. You can listen to it, 12.30 the game uh, at 7 o'clock. You can also watch it on AHL TV. Brian McCormick with the call there. Uh, Henderson Silver Knights trying to bounce back from uh, a loss a couple of nights ago. Uh, and Paul Cotter uh, has been reassigned to the Silver Knights. Uh, scored his first NHL goal last night. Uh, he actually wasn't sure he was going to play last night. But then the injury to uh, William Carrier cam- comes up and, and they have to uh, move some pieces around. And, and Cotter got back in for uh, his second NHL game and made good on it. But uh, that's uh, that's timing, right? Uh, he, he gets in the lineup last night and converts in the opportunity. You don't know how many of those chances you're going to get. And, and then because uh, of roster configuration, he's sent back to the American Hockey League and, uh, and rejoins the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, I, I can't imagine the confidence that he'll have 
playing uh, in Henderson. Uh, did you hear they also wore a fedora uh, to, to the game the other day? Yeah. Sure did. That's cool. I haven't seen any pictures from it yet. I've just heard the guys talking about it. Have you guys seen the pictures of it? I have not seen pictures, but I no. did see him after the game with his family walking out the door. And I can tell you, as a guy who really appreciates... Oh, so you saw that? You saw the hat? I did see the hat. And I can tell you, it was fantastic. I know I know. he said March or so gave him a hard time. It oh, was, no, you're going to get a hard time no, no, it, throwing it on was, a bucket like that. It was, it was, it was pretty awesome. I, I became a big fan of Paul Cotter when I saw him walking out. There's a, a, there's a chemistry issue, and, and it's significant when you talk about something like this. And uh, bear with me here. If, if Paul Cotter's called up from the American Hockey League and – and he wears a fedora to the game for his first NHL game. Uh, and he's not a cocky kid. He's a fun kid. But he's not cocky. For him to feel the room to wear that and the confidence to wear that, I think speaks to the the level of acceptance inside that dressing room. I, I know it's it's a hat. Millard, don't, don't overplay it's just a hat. I understand that, but to to do that, I think is is cool. And yeah, Marshy's going to bug him. We're, guys are going to beak him, but he still did it. And I, I I think there's something there as far as the chemistry of the room and the the welcoming nature of that room. I mean, like I view it in a similar vein, but I I look at it as just a. Uh, a player that that is is really confident in who they are as a person right like you you don't let the moment control you you control the moment and you know i i think that paul cotter showing up and being his authentic self is is a way in which you know he he kind of announces to the room like this is who i am and i'm comfortable being that you've created a space where i am comfortable to be that but you get a player that I think is focused on just going out and, and doing his job because he has the comfortability to just be who he is on and off the ice. What kind of hat do you draw the line on for a player to be able to to wear to to a game? Oh, there's no None. line. There's no, no line. line. There's no line. No. no. If, if you can Paul, wear any kind of hat, well, baseball, Cotter, yes. you can't wear a baseball cap. No. If he showed up wearing a sombrero, I would have been like, "That is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life." Okay, you can't, but you can't wear a baseball hat. That's fine. There, there's, there's, there's top hats. There's, I, I have a bowler hat. There's the old Kangol hat. Mm-hmm. What's a Kangol hat? The, the yeah, I, I, I feel like the Kangol hat shouldn't be accepted. It's like, like it, a, it's like a furry bucket it, hat. No, no, no. Like the Kangol hat is is barely a step above a baseball cap. Chapman, like that, that's not allowed. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. Like if the league's going to come down on that, right? But uh, league doesn't. Well, well, whoever, whoever, whoever. No, no, Darren, Darren's saying that you can't wear a baseball cap. If you can't wear a baseball cap, you certainly cannot wear a Kangol hat. Well, well there's a dress code. Okay. You well, can't, you I can't. mean, Kangol, Kangol also makes those those newsboy caps, right? The cap that the newsboys used to wear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like a like a Tilly hat. Uh, one of those. You can. That's do like from Gilligan's Island. You can't wear that. No, no, cowboy no. Cowboy hat? hat. Could you get away with a Absolutely. cowboy hat? I think you get a good cowboy hat. I think you, you could get yeah. away with a cowboy hat. Yeah, have a, have a nice pair of boots to go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think I think that might might work. Yeah, yeah. The 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 poor boy hat. The the one of those. Yeah, uh, that's good. You have a couple of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I have a bowler hat too. I'm gonna I'm gonna rock it at the arena one night. 
So, I, but beyond that, it, it gets a little sketchy. Fedora, fedora is cool. So, that's no, like that's, that's like that's Dick Tracy hat, stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Sombrero might be a little. Nah, I don't. I don't. I, I would imagine you probably are violating the dress code if you wear a sombrero. Plus, it's hard to get through doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are cool though. I had. I used to have one. My grandfather really? brought it back. Yeah, he brought it back from Mexico for me. He got lost in a move somewhere, but it was. It was really cool. How do you lose a sombrero? I. You know what? When you. That's a stands, really good question. Like it stands That's a really out. good question. I, I, you can't I, put a sombrero I, in a hat box. I, I will put it this way. I. I, I think. My mother intentionally lost the oh, sombrero. Oh, well, that's different. Because yeah. <laughs> I used to rock it around the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, I don't know that you guys have been following this story, but on the subject of dress code, uh, the Arizona Coyotes had, start of the year, no dress code. Just just wear what you want. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I know Ryan may go there, so I have to jump in first. This is a team that I have absolutely zero confidence can get the, the dress part of the hockey game right because they were on national TV the other night, and they did not wear the Kachina jerseys. They wore those red things with the Howling Coyote. So I, I think we should... But you know the suits it's and not the, the players dress fault. shirt? No, the, no, no. It's, it's, it's the management. That's that's on them. But you got the, the suit and the dress coat, uh, tie, all, all that. Like Most teams have that. They're, the Arizona Coyotes went the other way. Just freedom. Yeah, wear whatever you want. Yeah, that, that's changed. They went back to the suit and yeah, tie? Yeah. Uh, as per, Arizona did? Uh, that's what I was or told. Or Toronto? No, no, that's what I was told, that Arizona did as well. Huh. Then Toronto relaxed it for a while, and somebody wore a T-shirt. <laughs> like, like <laughs> oh, a, the horror. Some kind of... The horror. I believe it was a cartoon T-shirt. I don't know who did it. My goodness. Do you know who did it? No, I have no idea who did it, but seriously? But they ruined the like, fun is, for is everybody. Serious? Yeah, they ruined oh, the fun for on. everybody, and now Toronto's gone back to... Uh, to formal. A cartoon t-shirt angered the management to the point where they just hey, when you have when you have a director of hockey strategy, Chris, and you've got a cartoon shirt, you can't win in the league with a cartoon shirt. You I, just I, can't do it. I would have thought that there were other things in Toronto that they would be more concerned with than a guy wearing Mighty Mouse on his t-shirt. I I like the dress code rule. Oh, it's so I do, I do too, but if you're going to relax it, then then go all in on it. Yeah. Don't like half it. Well, I think they gave them they gave them some some latitude. And you know the old uh phrase give an inch take a mile. Do that with your microphone. <laughs> give give an inch take a mile. <laughs> Like I just did. I, I just gave you latitude. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to. You do didn't it. want to he, say it into the mic because I was afraid I had it wrong. <laughs> Is that why you turned yes, off your mic? Because yes. you thought, "Give me a mile, I'm going to take an inch." Yeah, no, is that, is that give what? me an inch, I'm going to oh. take a mile. <laughs> I thought I had it wrong. Oh, that is so good. Uh, that that is so. But it, but somebody took a mile, uh, and they they changed I'm sorry. it back. But I, I I, yeah. I personally okay. I love the dress code. I love the suits. I love the ties. Uh, I I think it's great. I think uh, if you go to a National Hockey League game and you're a player or uh, you're sitting in the press box, I I quite frankly think that there should be a dress code in the press box uh, when you go. There. Uh, people may not uh, agree with me on that, especially those that don't want to get dressed up. And but I I think you should have a at the very least a blazer on in the uh, in the press box. Yeah, I I couldn't disagree with you more. That's because you don't want to get dressed up. No, it's not that at all. Why? I, I don't I don't mind getting dressed up. It doesn't bother me. So why why wouldn't you want to like 
like we're going to our office, we're going to work, we should all look presentable. I see some like like um uh I see some people like dressed to the nines mm-hmm. up there. Yeah. Yep. Looking spectacular. And I see other people that are just kinda like rolling in from wherever. I like I like looking like I'm dressed to the nines. Uh, we're gonna take yeah, a, a million break. bucks. Uh, like a million dollars. American dollars. Uh, when we continue, uh, one-timers coming up, news and notes from around the National Hockey League, uh, a couple of really cool stories for you, and uh, a suspension to tell you about, and it directly impacts the Vegas Golden Knights. It's uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Start with the Washington Capitals. Alexander Ovechkin scoring tonight. That's his 12th of the season. So he is now sole fourth place in most goals in National Hockey League history. Alexander Ovechkin uh, rebounding after having a streak of 50-plus games with a shot on goal stopped last night against the Detroit Red Wings. That game last night, uh, by the way, it's 3-3 against Columbus. And Washington uh, this evening. The Capitals 2-0 shutout last night of the Detroit Red Wings featured Zachary Fucali in goal uh, for the Capitals. He was a second-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens way back in 2015. And he was a player that was a World Junior Champion for Team Canada, a Memorial Cup Champion with the Halifax Mooseheads with Jonathan Drouin and Jonathan Huberto. Uh, he was he was all world. Last night was his first National Hockey League game. And he went out there and produced a shutout. Zachary Fucali's played more ECHL games in his career than he has American Hockey League games. And persevered. And he admitted that uh, he's got some some bumps and, and, and had some challenges and had to fight through some things. That's a cool story. Like six years after being uh, thought to be a can't-miss kid, he finally plays his first National Hockey League game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just such an awesome story because, you know, sometimes um, you have to keep moving forward, pushing forward however you can. And, you know, it's cool to see that it uh, it ends uh, for 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 Fukali in a in an NHL start and a shutout like that that's such a cool story such a, a such a great end um, to to kind of that journey and now let's see where it goes I, I wasn't sure it was going to happen like I just, it wasn't trending in that direction and uh, you, you look back and go why can't why why didn't it work uh, and I don't know whether he'll uh, it's like Paul Cotter you, you you don't know how many chances you're going to get and I hope the, the best for both of them because I think they're they're really cool people, but uh, that that one right there, he didn't go to Europe, he didn't retire, he he was in the ECHL and still found it. And that's what sort of makes like Logan Thompson and his story with the Henderson Silver Knights uh, even more amazing. Is is Logan Thompson goes from Canadian college and bypasses everything and becomes American Hockey League goalie of the year. Some guys uh, they come out of nowhere. Other guys are front page news, and it's still takes so long before uh, before you manage to uh, find uh, find your your spot in the uh, 
in the elite of the game. Hey, it's Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, mentioned uh, a couple of the inductees. Uh, anybody that, that you want to have a, a opportunity to speak to uh, on this year's class? I, I mean, like, Jerome McGinla and Marion Hosar were, were just so good. Um, you know, Jerome was a, a player that I think everybody just understood and appreciated how how good he was, how powerful he was, how tough he was, what a great goal scorer he was. Um, you know, and then Marion Hosa, like the you know, we we talked about it a little bit, like the fact that for three straight years Marion Hosa was in the Stanley Cup final with a different club. Um and for the first two years, he chose the wrong side, right? Yeah. Like he chose the wrong team uh, to align himself with, uh, the, the team on the losing end, and to, to have those two heartbreaks and then to finally break through that third year with the Chicago Blackhawks. Like it, 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 he was so dominant defensively. Um, just two really, really phenomenal players in their time. Uh, others that they're going, I mean, Hosa, just a horse. Like so much power, uh, Shane Knighty played with them in in both Ottawa and with the Atlanta Thrashers, and and speaks glowingly about them. Uh, Jerome McGinley, that uh, that hundred watt smile, uh, able to to lead and just score and play the game top power forward. Uh, I love the story that uh, that he wasn't supposed to go to Team Canada's Olympic uh, camp in 2002 uh, for that uh, that summer. Actually, it was, uh, it was 2001 when they had their orientation camp and somebody couldn't make it or, or was injured and he got the last-minute phone call, literally last-minute phone call. Uh, and he was uh, in Edmonton and grabbed his gear, went down, ends up making the team and uh, wins a gold medal uh, in, in 2002. Uh, was playing on the line with Mary Lemieux, so that, that was neat. Doug Wilson's uh, an interesting one. Uh, currently the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Let's put that aside for, for right now. But, boy, like, he's he's waited years and years and years uh, of eligibility to get to this moment. I mean, it, you don't I, want I'm to say anything super, about the San Jose Sharks, do you? Uh, no, I'm not going to. Like, I got you got chirped on the on the post game show last night for comparing Braden McNabb to a shark. So I'm not touching that. Yeah, coming out of nowhere, boom! You think you're safe? You're not safe. Yeah, but it, it's you can't do that, Darren. They're really mad at you. Uh, I'll, I'll I'm not take, touching it. I'll take the heat there. So, like, yeah. I just think Doug Wilson. This is probably one where he he didn't think he was going to get the call because he's been mm-hmm. uh, like a decade or or more uh, uh, eligibility, and and he's in. Same with Kevin Lowe. Like Kevin Lowe and all those uh, championship teams uh, mm-hmm. has been eligible for the Hall of Fame. Feels like forever. He goes in this year. So what you're saying is there's hope for I don't know like Alexander Mogilny or something yeah. like that. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, uh, Kim St. Pierre, uh, goaltender on uh, on Team Canada uh, at the Olympics, and Ken Holland, former goaltender, uh, current general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, but also had some time. What, what did he do in between when he was his playing days and being general manager of the Edmonton Oilers? Oh, he was pretty successful with the Detroit Red Wings. 
Oh, is that the team that he was the general manager of? Yeah. yeah a couple of was. decades? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Doug Wilson, Kim St. Pierre, Kevin Lowe, who just had uh, the number four retired by the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Drew McGinley, Marion Hossa, and Ken Holland, all going into uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, this, of course, uh, uh, delayed a year uh, because of COVID. Uh, the induction ceremony will be held on Monday in Toronto, uh, where they get their rings, their blazers, and their their plaques. So, uh, some some cool stories uh, going on there. Um, scores tonight in the National Hockey League. You've got the Oilers leading the Buffalo Sabers. Are, are the Sabers kind of are they back to being the Buffalo Sabers? Well, I don't know. Dylan Cousins just scored to tie it up, so it's two to two. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, like you knew that what Buffalo did the first couple of weeks of the season was not going to be something that they'd be able to keep up all season long. And you know, I think they're going to be hard to play against. I, I don't think they're going to quit in games, but I, I just don't think there's enough talent there to, to reasonably expect the Buffalo Sabers uh, to be a, a team that's pushing the envelope for the playoffs. Good start. I mean, they've they've always had. It seems like they've always had some decent decent starts, and then mm-hmm. they fizzle yeah. away. Uh, yeah, yeah, overshooting uh, the, the mark a little bit. Uh, Los Angeles Kings have won seven in a row, and are are starting to turn some heads in the NHL. Uh, a brilliant performance last night by Jonathan Quick, who has like resurrected. He's he's making a big push right now for a lot more playing time uh, with Cal Peterson. But the uh, the Los Angeles Kings, real or mirage? Um, I, I kind of feel like they're somewhere in between. Um, I, I do think they're better this year than they were last year. Uh, but I, you know, as as we've kind of talked about with the LA Kings, a, a lot of what's gone right for LA this year, a lot of why they are where they're at, is is that uh, Andre Kopitar's off and, and your your older players and Dustin Brown and Alex Iafalo are are finding the back of the net and they're doing it with regularity and you're getting kind of a resurrection season from Jonathan Quick. Um, I think any of those things can kind of fall fall out at any point in time, but the addition of Phil Deneau has really solidified this team down the middle and he's been good for them. So um, I think they're kind of in the middle. Like I don't think they're a you know three out, like three wins out of four games type of team just yet but i think that they're more than capable of going on runs like they have been over the last seven games if you missed it earlier the mexico knights putting out a release uh acknowledging jack eichel's situation and it says this jack eichel underwent disc replacement surgery today uh, that his doctor described as successful and without complications uh, he is expected to make a full recovery. We will provide additional updates on the anticipated timing of his return to the ice when appropriate. Uh, we calculated uh, it uh, going off Jack's own uh, progression uh, projection of uh, recovery uh, being at 12 weeks at three months. And that puts you uh, right into like just on the verge of All-Star Weekend. Uh, a couple of days after the Golden Knights play their final game before the uh, Olympic break. If you were going to guess right now, would you say Jack Eichel is back before the Olympic break or plays his first game after the Olympic break? I'm going to lean into it heavy and say that Jack Eichel's first game with the Vegas Golden Knights is against the Buffalo Sabres on the 1st of February. February 1st. Chapman, do you have a gut feeling on that? 
Well, my gut says he will be back before the Sabres game. Before the Sabres well, game? Well, no, no. I mean, before the Sabres no, not game. Not before. In time for the Sabres okay. game. Yeah. Not, not. I mean, when I when I read that he was already walking, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, modern technology, the, the miracle of medicine. Because, I mean, the guy just had neck surgery and he's already walking around. Well. Leaving the hospital already? Hey, heart attacks are the same thing. They, really? they get you up walking around right away uh, after you have uh, bypass surgery. Wow. It's, it's really... Freaky. It's uh, fascinating is, is what but, it is. But but yeah. Jack said, like, he, he was told, you you have this procedure, and you're going to feel great right away. But you have to take it easy because uh, the the bone has to grow around the disc uh, that they put in, which just, it, it's like a natural fusion, like just the bonding uh, of, of, of the bone. So uh, that's, uh, that's the non-medical term, but uh, how he explained to me. But he said, you feel great right away. And you almost, you have to hold yourself back uh, because you, you, you feel so good uh, about it. And the big benefit of that is uh, he's, he's going to be able to do a lot more from a training perspective, like contact, no, no go for, uh, for a while. He talks about uh, three months. Uh, that's 12 weeks. Uh, for contact before you approved it for that regard. But uh, but the other stuff, being able to train, that gives you a huge step up, Ryan. Oh, 100%. And, you know, for Jack, I, I as he's mentioned a couple of times, he's been able to train while he's he's been waiting to have this surgery. But you just kind of think about kind of the, the breaks being taken off and his ability to get to get into the gym and and onto the ice at some point here and and really go as hard as he can to ramp up getting ready for um, you know his his debut with the Golden Knights and you know you, you look at just the ability to get healthy the ability to to get stronger and, and feel incredibly fit when you get into this situation um, he's going to be in in a place that a lot of other players at that point of the year aren't no aren't going to be just in terms of his fitness in terms of his strength and and all of that so that that could be an advantage in and of itself for jack eichel uh the ottawa senators lost to the los angeles kings last night i mentioned jonathan quick with a performance uh two nothing was the final there uh that was a that was a good game uh for ottawa i watched it back uh, today and i was curious just to see how whether that was a game that uh, that ottawa just hung on for or whether they made any kind of push. And uh, they, had, they had some chances in that game to, to make it interesting. And I mentioned this game because Ottawa was without nine people, either skaters or a coach, uh, because of COVID protocol last night. They were calling up everybody uh, from yep. Belleville. Uh, they canceled practice today. <laughs> Uh, they're supposed to play the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow. I laugh because, yeah, if you, you're, you're not just canceling it because of COVID. You're canceling it because uh, everybody's tired or or just burnt out after going through yep. something like that and this and the uh, the stress of of it all. But that's nine might be. I think San Jose had seven people in COVID protocol. And they beat the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, when they went through that, and they're dealing with it right now, uh, we're having a number of people out of the lineup. Nine, you're getting right on the edge of, should that game be played or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're over the edge of should that game be played. I, I don't believe it should. Like, um, Well, they had players available. They called, they, they had, they had they they did. dressed a full sure. lineup. They did dress a full lineup, but like, let's be real here. 
nine is half your your team, right? Like that's that's half of what a game day roster would be for mm-hmm. skaters. Like that's that's insane. That's ridiculous. No, it, Vegas has six seven. I like what's the difference there? And you wouldn't think of canceling the, a game just because of that, because of injury. I mean the diff- but- the difference is an injury, not so much a, an outbreak of of an illness that you know. Everyone in the league, save for three players, are, are vaccinated against. Like, I, I just think that you, you kind of put yourself in a situation where you you have to say competitive advantage to the LA Kings in this situation when you have half of an AHL team in the lineup in an NHL game because of a COVID outbreak. Yeah, you can tell me on the safety part. Uh, I'd listen to you on that. Uh, the the competitive advantage. Uh, no. Uh, if if you can put twenty skaters in the lineup or twenty uh, athletes in the lineup, then then you go because injuries. We're we're looking at it right now with teams that are injury riddled. Uh, Colorado, uh, although they they hung one on uh, Vancouver last night, and, and in that game, Tucker Poolman uh, with a with a uh, how would you describe? Let's go to our correspondent Chris Chapman uh, because Chris was part of a group of people this morning. Uh, media availability uh, over at City National Arena watching video of Tucker Poolman's encounter last night. How would you describe what went down? Well, there's a couple different ways to look at it, Darren. It looked to me like he was swinging a sword. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, it, it, either that or we're playing baseball and he swung at a pitch that was high. I mean, he, he there, there's zero debate about what he was doing. I mean, he was clearly swinging the stick at the guy's head. It was uh, it was nasty. Uh, Kiefer Sherwood was on the receiving end of it. Uh, Tucker Pullman gets a two game suspension. What what did you think of it, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous and unnecessary. Two games is light, in my opinion. I didn't think it was as bad as the reaction that Chapman and his buddies had today. Uh, in front row of the he, of the media room. He sw- First of all, there, there's there's the head injury aspect of it. He swung the stick at Sherwood's head. Two games is a joke. It, 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 it should have been like, more. It should have been a like, lot more. I mean, but but Darren, you're also like a big fan of Jordan Binnington swinging his stick at someone's face. And no, so long no, as it didn't hit he them, swung like it over fine. his oh, head. Yeah, see, he's he swung. Oh yeah, over, over his, his head. head. Even 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 worse. This yeah. is yeah. No, you're right. Go, go you're one right. goalie sticking up yep. for another here. Kadri yeah. didn't even duck uh, when when Bennington <laughs> well, that, did that. That's because Kadri's not afraid of Bennington. No, I, I heard uh, the two oohs games. And two ahs, games is, and I saw them. Two all games and, is ridiculous. Oh. It, it, it's it's a it's it's more than two games. Like, really? There's no there's there yeah there's absolutely no need for anything like that in the NHL. It's it's a joke, and two games is not enough. Not even close. Wow. Yeah, I'm with Ryan on this one. Surprised with you guys. Gotta, I, I, did, I did hear uh, the oohs and the ahs coming from uh, the front row of the media room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I found out what they were looking at, I, I checked it out and thought, well, it just doesn't seem like that. But big. I expected it to be worse. The intent was there. Oh, yeah, the intent was there. I agree with that. I just don't think it was, uh, it was quite as, uh, as nasty as, as you guys made it out to be. Maybe maybe this is a good sign that I can go start going to see horror movies again. It's more or less a slash to the head. Not that bad. I thought it was more like a punch slash. Uh, do you guys know Derek Broussard? 
Philadelphia not, Flyers? Not personally. Okay. Uh, so Derek Broussard, uh, he was fined the other day for bench interference. Do you guys ever, ever uh, encounter bench interference or, or see an example of it? Not that I can recall. Okay, no. so I, I haven't either. So I went back and looked at it. I'm like, why is he, uh-huh. like, what's what What do you do for bench interference? I, I was racking my brain about it. Well, a player gets hit along the flyer's bench. Doesn't fall into the bench or anything like that, but just get, there's a collision at the bench on the boards. And Broussard stands up. He's, he stands up. He's trying to half get out of the way, half be involved. And what was that? Well, this segment has gone on for over 20 minutes, so I, I my music, so okay. I had to start Sorry. it again. Yeah, um, I thought there was a swarm of bees coming in. Broussard stands up, and he punched the player right in the head from the bench. And he gets called right away for uh, bench interference. Didn't argue at all. Took it uh, straight up and went to the, to the box. And then he got fined, I think, two grand the next day. But bench interference, yeah, popped the guy right in the head. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. We got tickets to give away. Uh, Thursday, Detroit, two tickets. Caller number 15, 702-876-1340. You know the number, but I'll give it to you again, just in case it's a first-time listener, and you must be wowed by the show right now. 702-876-1340. Uh, give us a call right now. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Christopher. Darren. All right, well, last night, obviously, we've kind of talked about it a little bit today. A little, just a little bit. Jonas Rombierg scored his first ever NHL goal. Only 15 players from Denmark have ever scored a goal in the NHL, and there's only six active players from Denmark currently in the NHL. Ironically, two of them playing each other tonight as Lars Eller and Oliver Bjorkstrand are in action as the Capitals and the Columbus Blue Jackets are are playing. The Danish player with the most appearances in the history of the NHL is Franz Nielsen, who actually, I I think he he played last year. I think that was his last year. I think it was with Detroit. But uh, yeah, the Danish player with the most appearances in the NHL. 167 goals for Franz Nielsen. So uh, Who's the best ever Dane? Ah, I like Nikolai Ehlers. I don't know if he's the best ever, but I mean, I certainly, I I enjoy watching him play. Wallace? What's that? (laughs) The best Danish player ever. uh, Bodker was pretty good, wasn't he? Danish player? (laughs) I I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion one way or another. Well, he mentioned four of them. You could have just picked one of those. Freddie Anderson? Oh, yeah. That's all right. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go goalie. I'll go Anderson. Really strong opinion on that one, too. The only Danish goalie to ever play in the NHL. That's a great one. I'm very, very um, entrenched with Freddie Anderson. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Pre-game show tomorrow night, six o'clock ahead of the Vancouver Canucks against the Vegas Golden Knights. Ryan Wallace with the hosting duties there. And then Dan Duva. And Gary Lawless have the call as the Golden Knights try to make it three wins and three tries to open up this six-game homestand. 
seven of nine uh, overall as they've uh, turned the corner and getting it done. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, at practice tomorrow, Uh, whether Will Carrier is back. uh, We'll see whether anybody else jumps off the list of the walking wounded. Thanks for listening all week long. Really appreciate it. Stay safe this weekend.